up, join a group, because we're going to have a great time. It's going to be a great summer session. Uh, it is so good to have with us today uh, Jeff and Shelly Ralston. They are the pastors of um, First Pentecostal Church in Lake Charles. There are so many Pentecostal churches in Lake Charles, I had to go through the list. Uh, but they do pastor there. <laughs> And they do pastor First Pentecostal Church. It's a phenomenal church. They've been wonderful friends of mine for a long time. Uh, and um, I met them when my dad pastored in Springfield, Missouri. I'm going to tell you what kind of people these are. They're, they are spiritual people. They are godly people. And it will benefit your life if you get to know them. I mean, he's even bought me Taco Bell before. So, I mean, he's a great guy. Somebody buys you Taco Bell. And you're a broke high schooler, and they're a broke evangelist, and they take you through Taco Bell. That is a great person and a friend to keep for life. And they have blessed our family, and, and we hope uh, to bless them today and hope that they're blessed being with Branches Church. So thrilled that they're here to minister to us. We're going to let the kids go ahead and go back to their classes. They usually run out of here, so it means my preaching has been improving because they're not in such a hurry. They've been hearing it through the walls or listening to the podcast, and so they're not in a huge rush. We're going to welcome Jeff Ralston to come take his liberty. Welcome him. Give him a hand clap of welcome. He may let his wife sing. I don't know. He may not get to preach if he does that. We'll just see. It is a joy to be here today with the Coons, and as he mentioned, we do we have a history that goes way back to when their their parents, his parents, pastored in Springfield, Missouri, and I I love this family, and I know you do as well. I love their spirit, I love their attitude, I love their hunger for people. That is only made better by their hunger hunger for God. They genuinely have a passion for God's presence. What beautiful worship today. Amen? Now, we're going to practice something for just a moment. I believe in the declaration of faith, okay? And I believe in a conversation of faith. So I want you to speak to your neighbor. You may have to get up. Let's just do that. Let's stand for just a moment. And I want you to step across the aisle or find someone and tell them the next six months is going to be the best six months. Just find someone and tell them the next six months is going to be the best six months. Amen. Now, do you believe that? I do. The next six months. Amen. Just remain standing for a moment. We're going to go, we're going to, go to prayer regarding the word today, and we're going to ask God to be with us in the word. Father, today we declare that your word is our path. Your word is our life and substance. It is our bread. And as we consume today your word, we pray that you would anoint, that you would give us a, a, a precise word, an understanding, a revelation of your word. We speak this in Jesus' name, and everyone say amen. amen. And you may be seated. Uh, so excited to be at Branches today and be a part of this wonderful day. We want to honor, too, also this weekend. It is Memorial Day weekend, the first weekend that we enter into summer vacation mode, right? And we know that many people are out today. Those of you that are here, we welcome you. It's, it's so good to be at Branches. 
And at the same time, we want to honor those that have given themselves for the benefit of our country, our nation. This is an important day to celebrate. The, the tragedy of war is upon us. And Shelly and I just got back from Germany. Uh, we were in Germany yesterday. When I say we just got back, we just got back. Um, going over there and seeing the history and being a part of, of the history of that nation and what it means in, in regards to our history, thank God that righteousness prevails and that God has given us a strong force to protect and, and to save. I don't, I don't know how you feel today, but I enjoy being a part of the constitution of this nation and being a part of freedom. Amen? And that doesn't just relate uh, to our personal freedoms day to day. It also relates to our spiritual freedom. Thank God that we have a right in Christ to worship and that we are in a nation that honors that. Amen? My topic this morning is From Repentance to Kingdom. It's titled, of course, From Jericho to Jerusalem. I believe in the Bible's purpose of reestablishing and reaffirming principles. And this is something that we find in the Old Testament continuously. It comes forth in New Testament ideology. God is consistent. He's consistent in his word. And I find confidence in that. This book is ancient. Its principles are before the workings of men. And for that reason, we rejoice because we can put our lives into this book with confidence that the fruit of our tomorrow is not of our own doing, it's of God. Amen? So we start by going back to an old story, familiar with most of you, I'm sure, of Israel being enslaved in Egypt. They were bound. They'd been in Egypt for 400 plus years, roughly about 430 years. At some point, God is ready to bring them out. He raises up a man named Moses. Moses is anointed and purposed to bring Israel out. There is a major resistance. Egypt has held hostage this nation for a long time, and Pharaoh is not willing to let Israel go. God shows himself mighty, and through a determined approach, God systematically destroys Egypt's gods. The final and last focus is the death angel. The death angel was to come over Egypt and take every firstborn, or every firstborn as it is in the history of Egypt and the Middle East, to take that next generation, that firstborn, is to wipe out the conscience of the people. It was a major, major force that God is bringing to Egypt. And to spare Israel, he says, take a lamb, every home, a lamb, and take that lamb and spill its blood and pour its blood in a basin and put that blood on the doorpost of your home. Now, we know that this is God giving us a foreshadowing of how we're to come out of this world. Egypt, of course, is that of sin, that of carnality, and we're only brought out but by the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And that lamb was spilt, the blood was spilt at Calvary. Notice that they ate the lamb that night after having put the blood on the doorpost with bitter herbs with bitter herbs, and they ate it with their staff in their hand and their loins girded up and sandals about their feet, ready for the call to go forth, get out. For when 
that wailing and weeping began to take over the nation of Egypt when they rose up in the middle of the night and realized their sons were gone, dead, smitten. Israel was free. Egypt said, move, get out, go. Well, that was pre-shadowed or foreshadowed by that lamb and the bitter herbs. It is a type of repentance. When you feel your sin upon you and you taste the bitterness of your sin, it's time to leave. It's time to get out. It's time to forsake the way you're living. Thank God for a conscience inside of each one of us that tells us, hey, it's time to move on, right? It's time to quit thinking that way. It's time to shift your thought pattern and believe in a new life. Now, they came forth in their deliverance to the water, the Red Sea. The Red Sea is a likeness of baptism. Just like we are baptized, and I love this baptismal tank right here, 81 degrees, ready to go, right? I, I thank God for baptism. I know that my life has been transformed through the waters of renewal. Thank God that there is something that can wash me and cleanse my life. It's not just my life, it's my conscience. The old man is done away with. A new man is revived. Amen? Thank God for the waters of baptism. This is what Israel went through. Pharaoh awakened in his anger. His heart hardened. Even after the firstborn was smitten, decided when Israel is well along the way that he would take captivity of them again. And he pursued them to the water. Moses, the deliverer, stretched forth that rod, and God opened the Red Sea and parted it. And just like in baptism, they were to cross over. And just like we have removed ourselves from sin and crossed through the waters of baptism, now we have obeyed biblical revelation as to how to live for God. But how many of you know that it's more than repentance and it's more than water baptism that brings us into the fullness of Christ? When Israel was finished, with those two important principles, it was time for them to enter into the promised land. They were to go directly into the promised land. The promised land is not heaven. There were giants, walled cities in the promised land. That won't be the case in heaven. The land of Canaan was a land of spiritual conquest. They were to enter immediately. We can see it clearly there's a roughly 5,000 miles between that point of deliverance and entering into the promised land. They were to take that journey in roughly 40 to 60 days, notwithstanding days turned into decades. God intended for them to go into a land of milk and honey. But Israel was bound by a mindset of poverty, even though they had repented and come out even though they had entered into the water and come through the water, their mind was still locked in the past. There has to be a change deep inside of us that goes beyond repentance and baptism. God wants us to enter into victory, to be victorious, to be courageous in our tomorrow. This is what God wants. They didn't have enough faith to take the promised land. Only two, only two had the confidence and the courage to enter into the land of promise. Here's their mindset. They saw the mighty warriors. 
And they said, these are giants, and we are as grasshoppers compared to these beasts. Only Joshua and Caleb were able to enter into that promised land. Now, something took place, something drastic. Because they came through repentance, because they went through the water, but because they did not have faith to enter into the promised land. They spent the next 40 years in discontentment, wandering in the desert. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not the kind of Christian I want to be. I want to finish what God has started in my life. I want to enter into spiritual fulfillment. I thank God for repentance, the bitterness of my sin upon my lips. I thank God for the waters where I feel renewed, but I know that God wants me to live a victorious life. I don't want to wander around in sands expecting nothing out of the next five or ten years. I want to believe that what God has for me is right there in front of me, and I'm about to step into it. Amen and amen. So what took place was the old generation had to die, and a new generation arose. Now, we know that this is not age-related in the life of a believer today. We know that our children are not going to inherit what we're not able to inherit. This is an old spiritual concept. And what it teaches us is in all of us, there's an old man. And that old man has to die. Paul said, in, in me there's two. One I love and one I hate. When I would do good, I don't. And when I would not do bad, I do it anyway. So we all have in us that old man. He said that old man has to die. This is the old man in the wilderness. He has to die. So even after we've been through repentance, and even after we've been through waters of baptism, in me, there's something that has to die. i got to realize now it's a walk by faith and not by sight. I have to believe in a spiritual attitude that can change my tomorrow. The old man has to die. It's not always easy. We can repent, be baptized, and still have a stubbornness in us that won't lead us to victory. But God knows the way that we take. And if we can put that old man down and believe in a new tomorrow, something, will, something truly powerful will happen. Well, what took place? It's, it, it, it's, it's a testament to what we're standing before today. Thousands of Christians locked into the, the familiarity of the wilderness because they cannot contend with the old self. They've applied the blood, consumed the lamb, been baptized in the water, but they're wandering in mountains of sand. So what do we need? What can change our lives? Israel faced that first city called Jericho. And I suppose that every one of us need a Jericho. Jericho was a walled-in city. Its walls were famous. By those walls, they had the, the ability to run two chariots parallel. They were mighty. They were famed for their walls. They could not be in, invaded in any way, shape, or form. God marches that new generation where the old man had died and the new man was now living. He marches that new generation right up to those Jericho walls. And God tells them, 
Here's what we're going to do. For six days, you're going to march around these walls. On the seventh day, you're going to march seven times. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? And that's the way living for God sometimes comes down. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. For the next phase of your life, the next step may not make a whole lot of sense to the world. Your friends and family may not understand it. The way you act, the way you live, it's crazy to get out in the parking lot, march around a car down at the dealership. Hmm? That's crazy, isn't it? But what if God tells us to do it? Then we have to respond to it. This is the attitude of Jericho. It's living by faith and not by sight. Sometimes it's easy to repent because the bitterness is upon our lips. And water baptism makes sense because who doesn't want to be washed and made new? But spirit living is different. It's difficult. The old man has to die. The way I think has to change. The way I live has to change. I have to change my mindset. I have to start walking in faith. I need a Jericho. This is where God speaks to you and says, here's what I want you to do today. I want you to worship me in a different way. Maybe you've always clapped your hands. And God says, today, you're going to lift your hands. You're going to step out on the aisle and lift your hands. It doesn't feel good, does it? But this is what we're talking about when it comes to Jericho. It doesn't make sense to the old man. But there's a new man in us that's saying it's time to do something different. That's what I'm talking about today. That old man has got to get quiet. He's got to get down. And that new man has to rise up. It may be that we're not used to speaking out loud. But these are the walls of Jericho. Guess what? They had no way of conquering these walls. They had no standing army. They had no way to penetrate. They couldn't go through it. They couldn't go over it. Jesus knows that the next phase of our life is not going to be capable of understanding within our talent. The next phase of your life, you can't step into it on your ability. It's got to be God. It's got to be God to bless you and, and enable you to enter into Jericho. It's not by might nor by power, but by God's spirit that we step into this Jericho way of living. So what did they do? They marched. Notice the process. Six days, you march around it one time. On the seventh day, seven times. And then you're going to give a shout. Well, why the seventh day? If you go back to the book of Genesis, you'll see where God made Adam on the sixth day. And he said in two verses in three different ways, have dominion. You have ownership over the six days. Six days belong to men. We plow the field. We harvest the oceans. We own the six days. But God made us to be incomplete. We're a six-day person living in a seven-day world. And we're made to have a day that's given unto God. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. This is the way of Jericho. This is the way of living in God's world. A day that we say, God, I don't want to do this day in my own ability, in my own way of thinking. I want to give this day to you. 
Whatever God asks of me on this day. Maybe you've never come to the front and really prayed hard. Maybe you've never lifted your hands and opened your mouth and confessed to God your need for him. Well, guess what? It's the seventh day. It's the day of Jericho. They marched around those walls. And on that seventh time, they shouted with a great shout. And guess what? That which was not capable in human reasoning fell beneath the power of God. History teaches us that those walls didn't crumble and fall, but rather those walls were pushed into the ground. That's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of victory I'm talking about. They didn't have the ability on their own to do that. Guess what? The walls fell. Now, here's what you have to understand about these walls. This was the first victory that Israel ever took part of in the land of conquest. Here's what's important. God said to them, you're not to take any of the good, the gold, the silver, any of the animals, you're not to take them. This victory has nothing to do with you taking things. It has everything to do with you learning how to have victory. Every person needs a Jericho in their lives where you pray, where you believe, where you worship your way through. You need a Jericho. Have you ever fasted and said, God, I need a change in my life. I need something to change. I need people to change. I need conversations to change. I need ideas. I need you to go before me. That's a Jericho. It's not God's will that you don't have a Jericho. You need a Jericho. After Jericho, guess what? Victories come easier. Jericho is your first victory. It's your first statement of faith. It's your first overcoming. Everybody needs a Jericho. When my wife and I was traveling years ago, before we ever made it to Springfield, we came to our first revival. To say that we were broke financially is an understatement. We were poor. We were scrapping and fighting, and we just knew we were in God's will, and we had very little finances, and we hadn't yet had a big revival. We pulled up to this first place, and it turned out to be a wonderful church, and we got our first paycheck. And after we paid all of our bills off, we had $500 left over. Well, we had never had $500 between the two of us in all of our lives up to that point. We felt rich, increased. I'm talking about blessed. We put that $500 in that trailer, hid it in a book, praise God over it and put it up in that trailer. And we were just, I mean, we knew we were in the will of God now. Guess what? God, in the very next service, tested us. The pastor's wife had gone up, and she said, I've never done this in the 20 years I've been here with my husband, but there's a great need. And she began to tell us about some children that, that were in a poverty, and she had this amazing story. And I'm sitting on that platform on the, on the far side, a big, beautiful church, and I'm sitting on that platform, and the Lord starts working on me with that $500. And I don't even want to look down at my wife because I know what's going to happen. 
And finally, I can't do it no more. And she looks at me, and I look at her, and we both did this right here. That means go get that $500. We're going to give it to the Lord. We didn't want to, but we knew we should. Guess what? That was our Jericho. We didn't realize it at the time, but we gave that $500. From that day forward, there were many demands for money. But God would give us the money before the problem arose. I had many tires on my trailer and my truck. We traveled full time. They would blow out hot water heater, air conditioning. I mean, it all didn't happen in one week. It felt like it did. We would drive down the road and something would happen. The previous service, somebody would hand us money. I'd go to the pastor and say, look, someone handed me cash. And guess what? It would always be the right amount for what was about to break. It got to the point where someone would hand me money and I would say, no, no, no. I know know what's about to happen. Something's about to blow up or come off. it It got bad. God wanted me to learn how to have victory in him. I needed a Jericho. I had to have a Jericho. That $500 turned in to my Jericho. We were traveling, and we would pull in late and eat. Our favorite place was Cracker Barrel. One night we pulled into Cracker Barrel. We didn't have any money. We had a credit card, thank God. We were going to eat and put that, that bill on that credit card. And we pulled in there, and we got our food, and we sat down, and we ate. We didn't know anybody in town. We don't even remember where we were. We were driving down the interstate, pulled in, got a meal, got ready, and said, ma'am, it was, we were the last ones there. We said, ma'am, we need our ticket. She said, it's been paid for. I said, ma'am, how about a tip? They gave me the best tip I've had all day. I'm talking about a Jericho. God wants to give you a Jericho. Open up opportunities. Set forth people in your life that will make all the difference. How many of you know, now I feel this in the Holy Spirit, that some of the most important people in your life you haven't even met yet? How many of you believe that what God wants to do in your life is going to demand a different kind of faith, but if you'll do it, it'll happen? Conversations that are going to change your life haven't even been had yet. If you can, in your mind, conceive that a Jericho for you is on the way, your life will completely change forever. You need and I need a Jericho, that first victory, that breakthrough victory. You say, oh, pastor, I've had many of them. Well, how about another one? Think about this. Though he was anointed, David was a long way from the throne. But God gave him a platform. This young man, rugged in appearance, handsome, strapping, tall, appraiser, a little odd duck, you know, just a little different guy. God said to give David a chance to become king, I'm going to bring forth a Philistine who is nine feet tall named Goliath. Nobody, nobody rose up to take on Goliath. You know why? Because Goliath was a custom-made problem. 
to give David a chance at his calling. What you need is a custom-made problem. What's the biggest issue in your life right now? Well, guess what? That's your Jericho. What's the most complicated issue in your life right now? That's your giant. Take it by force in the spirit. You say, well, pastor, I don't have the talent and the ability. That's the purpose of Jericho. It's something that God can give you, but no one else. You don't have the might, the wisdom, the education, the understanding to do what God is going to do through you. You have to have a willingness and a faith to believe. I'm due for a Jericho. Do you feel that? Do you know how close you are to a Jericho? Paul, the apostle, wrote two-thirds of your New Testament. He comes by way of his name in a unique context. We know him as Saul. He was called Saul from his birth. His parents named him Saul. Even though Saul in Scripture was a carnal name because Saul, the first king, was a man who lost his way in God. And yet he represented strong leadership. So it wasn't unusual for moms and dads in the days of the apostle Paul to name their sons Saul. He was still a king in Israel. But Saul came to conversion. He was a righteous man, a passionate man, a Pharisee. He was consumed with God and doing the will of God. He thought himself to be in the right place, a passionate Israelite, honoring God with every ounce of his being and everything he did. Saul lived a life of force. God said, if I don't do something with Saul, he's going to impact the Christian church greatly. So he was dismounted on the road to Damascus. Great light shone above. And out of that light came a voice. Why do you kick against me or kick against the pricking of my spirit? And we know how that Saul was brought to conversion. He enters into the wilderness. And for three years, he reconciled his Judaism with his revelation of Christ. He didn't go to Jerusalem. He doesn't enter into the statement of the other apostles, but he himself determines who Christ is in regards to his conscience of the Mosaic law. He comes forth a powerful man, writing two-thirds of our New Testament. Outside of Jesus Christ, there is no greater force in Scripture than the Apostle Paul. Paul was brilliant, stubborn, contrary, but powerful. And yet, even though he was converted, his name remained Saul. Even though he's baptized, his name remained Saul. Even after he went through the process of determining and reckoning his Jewish upbringing with his revelation of Jesus. His name remains Saul. Do you know when his name became Paul? In the 13th book, or 13th chapter of the book of Acts. It's a very unusual setting. They're going forth to meet a governor who's requested their presence. And the governor has someone with him 
a man who was considered to be of spiritual substance. He was a prophet, a man that worked in the dark spirits, a soothsayer, Elimaeus. And there he is clouding the mind of the governor who's opening his heart to Christianity. And as they're talking and conversing, this man is speaking. And guess what? Paul's had enough of it. The apostle Saul turns into Paul right here. He turns around and he says to this man, from this day forward until otherwise noted, you're going to be blind. Shut your mouth. Step away. Be free of this man. He took authority. Do you know that from that point on, his name is no longer Saul, but the Apostle Paul? In other words, that was a Jericho moment for Saul. There comes a point where walls have to fall, where giants have to crumble, and where you have to take authority. The old man has to die, and the new man has to be born. We know it's possible. We know it's possible. How many of you ever heard the story of Virginia Hall? Virginia Hall was a remarkable lady. She was an American spy in the 1930s. That was quite an incredible feat. Her daring task quickly brought her to fame throughout the workings of the enemy. And, of course, America was at war with Germany during this time. And because of a hunting accident after college, the result was that her leg had to be amputated. And so she lived her life with an artificial limb. Because of this, she walked with a limp every day. A certain limp didn't stop her, didn't slow her down. She entered into the service of America, and they quickly found her to be resourceful, and she took on the, the enemy. She became known in the community of spies as the limping lady. They came to her and said, we need someone to go deep undercover into Germany. Will you go? She said, yes. Now, this is at the height of her fame. They all know her to be the limping lady. They are looking for her, and she agrees to go back in to the enemy's camp. She knew she had to do two things. She was quite slim. She had already mastered the language. And so she began to layer herself up with clothing. Many layers. And she had to change the way she walked. Known as the limping lady, she knew that if she entered into Germany, no matter how many layers of clothes and how she had disfigured her face and her hair, if she was limping, someone would recognize her. So she took that limp and she turned it into a gate. Took her months, but she learned how to walk differently. She changed the way she walked. The old man wasn't going to affect where the new man needed to go. We all have things that leave us marked and scarred. We all have reasons to, to stay right where we're at. 
in the wilderness. But God says, you may have to change the way you walk, but I'm ready to give you a Jericho. It's time to enter into something new. It's time to believe God for something new. It's time to exercise faith that you've never exercised before. We can do it. God intends for us to do it. Her victory began when she changed her limp to a gate. Change starts right now. Can you do it? Do you have the talent? Do you have the ability? Maybe not. But God can. He can do it through us. This brings us to a man named Jacob. Jacob was a conniver. His name meant used car salesman. I'm sorry. His name meant conniving. He is the third of the great host of the nation of Israel. Abraham, Isaac, and then there's Jacob. Jacob, the conniver, he was a fleshly man. He has no business doing the will of God, but God had promised that he would raise up after Abraham a mighty nation. And so here is this fleshly man whose name means conniver, living his life, trying to resolve who he is in God and what God wants him to be. The exact same place as where we are. He goes forth running from his brother on a crazy night when he has stolen the blessing. And he knows he can never go back. He can never go back. He would never see his his mom again, never see his father again. He vacates and runs for his life. And that night as he lays there upon the ground, exhausted, using a rock for a pillow. How how tired was he? And as he's there upon the ground, he has a great dream. And in that dream, he sees a ladder. And on that ladder, there's angels ascending and descending, meaning that the presence of God has come down to meet with him. Wow. He raises up in the morning and says, this is a terrible place. This is none other than the house of God. He's fearful. But he, he makes a covenant. And he says, God, if you will be with me, you will be my God. And I will declare. And then what he does is sad. He runs. He runs. He steps out of God's house and runs. And for the next 25 years, he leaves what he knows can transform his life. And he goes. 25 years later, he comes back two wives and many children, and he's trying to face his past. And he goes there to a place called Jabbok. And there, the Bible says, he wrestles with an angel. The same place where the presence of God had met him 25 years before. Now, he chooses to grab hold and say, no, this time, you're not just going to come down into my life. I need a victory, and I'm going to grab you and hold on to you until you change my life. I don't think there's not one person here today that doesn't have a God conscience. That's why you're here. But we don't need just to be brought out of repentance and brought through the waters. We need to grab hold to the angel And say, today is a day when I have my first victory or Jericho in God. I'm going to tell you right now, there are miracles in this altar. There are miracles in this building. Life 
is about to be completely transformed. This week, you could meet that person that God has purposed to bring into your life to change. But it's going to be only but by a Jericho. you got to have a victory. you got to have that first victory. you got to break forth, step into the unknown, make that confession of faith. Will you do that with me? Will you do that with me? As I draw to a close, I want to share with you one thing. It doesn't stop with Jericho. What would Jericho be if we didn't have the result of victory? God said, you won't take one article from Jericho. You're not to take not one item in testament to your victory. You're just to enjoy the moment of God working in your behalf. Well, that's no fun. It's great to see walls fall. I want to see that in my life, Pastor. It's great to feel and know that God has done something in your life. But I truly believe that God is intending to bless his people. I pastor a church in Lake Charles. I've been in that pastoral now for 16 years. I've buried infants. I've walked with families through hell. I'm not up here today as an evangelist that doesn't know how to pastor people. I know what it's like. to camp out in waiting rooms, to walk into funeral homes without answers and words. I pastor real people with real problems. And I know what it means to have a Jericho. So when I say to you today that God wants to bless you, I'm not just telling you from somebody that doesn't know what it's like to live life in a tough place. But God still wants to bless you. We don't just veer off into this idea that there's going to be two chickens in every pot and everyone's going to drive a nice car. I believe in God blessing us. But I know what it's like to be in a real situation. Living for God is tough sometimes. But guess what? He still wants to bless us. God wants to be so close to you today that you feel the rumbling of those walls fall. But it's not just enough, listen to me, for God to give you a Jericho. I want you to walk out of here today with more than just a victory in name. I want you to walk out of here today with something you can hold on to. Do you know what happens after Jericho? They went on and took another city and another city and another city and another city and another city. city. They took and pushed out those dwellings, cleaned them out of all of those Philistines and made them their dwellings. They took vineyards and fruit trees as their own. You say, Pastor, is this scripturally relevant? It is. Because it wasn't too long and God rose up a king named David. 
And in that same land where they had gained a Jericho, God established a Jerusalem, a kingdom. And I'm not going to go through the establishment of it, but this is a New Testament concept. We are kingdom people. And the kingdom had a, had a statement, a place called Jericho. And of that kingdom, there's to be no end. Isaiah teaches us that we're people of kingdom. So we can go from victory to victory. It doesn't mean we're not going to have some problems along the way. But God wants you to enter into a kingdom mindset where you believe that God is for you and you're living beyond just surviving. But there's purpose. There's purpose. Now, there's been many people in this sermon wiping tears. Many, many people. And I'm going to tell you, I feel a boldness on me right now to declare because now I'm standing with anointing and authority. And I've presented to you a concept, but, but now I'm about to declare over you as a pastor. We talked about the next six months. For those of you that say today, in the next six months, this old man, old way of thinking, old way of living is about to change. So some people today will walk up and you're bound by self-pity. You're going to walk out of here today confident that God's about to change some things. And there may be some people you have to take off your phone. Maybe some websites you have to quit looking at. Maybe some old thoughts that you have to bury and say, you know what, I'm going to quit looking at my past that way. There may be some people in your past and you think, well, if it wasn't for them, How much further would I be? But if we lessen our load by taking them out of our lives today, then God will fill that void with someone you haven't even met yet. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm going to declare it now. If you need that kind of deliverance in your life, I want you to stand now. We're about to have a Jericho, okay? If you need to let some things go, Right now, I want you to stand. And I want you right where you're standing. I want you to take your fist and just make that fist right now. In your fist right now, you have that old thought, that old idea, that old identity, that old person. And I want you to release it right now unto God. And I just want you to say hallelujah as you release it. Hallelujah. Now I want you to raise that other hand and I want you to give God an open praise right now. However that works for you. However that works for you right now. An open praise to Him. So here's what we're going to do. Maybe you need a Jericho as a couple. I want you to come hand in hand. Maybe you need a Jericho. It's just, it's just you today. I want you to come. I want you to crowd in as close as you can. 
come in. As you're coming, this is a statement of your faith today, okay? A statement of your faith. We're going to be very, very mindful of who you are. You're in a safe place today, okay? So I'm not going to, I'm not going to pray for you without asking you. You're in a safe place today. But for the next few minutes, we're going to give ourselves to a Jericho, right? So we're going to release things and repent over things and let things go. But understand, it's more than repentance. We're going to step into newness of life. So it may be uncomfortable, but I want you to praise him with a loud voice. I want you to speak to him in his language. Pray in the Holy Ghost today. Hallelujah. I want you to lift your head up. Lift your chin up right now. Jericho is about to come into your life. In the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we repent today. We repent. Not of old past sins, but God of wilderness mentality. We don't repent, God, for the things we've already felt beneath the blood. But God, we repent today for living in a wandering spirit. Move us out of that mindset today. I pray and plead your blood upon this beautiful congregation. I plead your blood upon every life here present now. And God, I'm praising you for that renewing and that covering in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, as we lift up our heads today, we say with confidence now, the next six months is about to be the best six months of my life. In Jesus' name. Now, as you praise him today, expect the Holy Spirit to come upon you. As you praise him today, expect the Holy Ghost to come upon you. I bless you, Jesus. I bless you, Jesus. I bless you. (laughs) I feel a wave of the Holy Ghost. I feel a wave of the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's it. You're in a good place right now. You're in a, a mighty tower. The name of the Lord is present today. You're in a mighty tower. You're in a covenant with God right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.